Well, welcome to the greatest show on earth. I've always wanted to say that. Um, what do you think of this? This, this is quite an uh, amazing uh, feat to transform this sanctuary into a big top tent in less than a week. Um, right now, we have over 212 kids already signed up for Vacation Bible School. And so by tonight, with the walk-ins, we could easily go over 300 on the very first night. We have over 180 workers you guys that are going to be helping with Bible school this week. This is a phenomenal event, and it's something that we are so looking forward to after kind of COVID kind of cheated us out of a, a, a lot of big experiences last year. And so I know many of you are helping with Bible school this week, and if you're not helping, please pray for us, okay, because God's going to do an amazing thing. You know what I really wanted to do was come out with one of those big, like, ringmaster's top hats and a bullwhip, you know, and, you know, crack off a few, and the staff vetoed me, and they said, you'll lash yourself or you'll strike somebody up here on the front row and injure uh, one of the worshipers this morning. So they, they said, that we're not going to do that. So, but it was a great idea, wasn't it? How many of you uh, did I catch your attention with the sermon title, Going Green? I've actually had people this week when I told them what I was preaching about, like, are you going to be preaching about, like, medical marijuana and CBD? And, you know, it seemed like there's one of those green dispensaries on just about every street corner, right? No, we're not talking about that, but that's actually a good idea. We could maybe deal with it another time. There's a lot of talk everywhere from the TV to the government talking to us about going green. In fact, that's the latest craze, the latest movement. So what does it mean to go green? Well, it means to become environmentally friendly, to use less of the Earth's resources, reducing pollution and our, our footprint, um, our, our energy consumption. So I looked up some of the, the popular ways that they're suggesting that we go green. We can do that by converting all electric power plants to wind or solar. Well, you know, we know what happened in Texas um, to those. But anyway, that, that was their idea. Making everything environmentally friendly, such as electric lawnmowers and cars, recyclable batteries, uh, taking shorter showers, okay? So you got to get clean quicker. Turn off the water in between your, while you're using your toothbrush. Using LED light bulbs. Biking, walking, or using public transportation to work. Moms, listen to this. You can save the environment by going and using cloth diapers rather than the disposable diapers. I'm serious. Now, don't get angry with me. I'm just giving you some suggestions that they're telling us we need to do. Use those reusable shopping bags. Okay, you can... Um, Use a paper straw and a paper plate and a paper cup rather than the plastic stuff and save the environment. Um, eat less beef because, you know, the cows are polluting the, the atmosphere with their flatulence. So they've actually have come up with a synthetic beef. Now, I've not tried that, but, you know, that's what they're encouraging us to do. Believe it or not, they are even selling toothbrushes made of recycled materials. So I want you to think about that when you're brushing your teeth, where that toothbrush has been before in its previous life. 
They even have some new paper. It's called sheep poo paper. Okay, I, you can't make this stuff up, okay? Paper that's made of sheep poo. I don't even know where you would get that, but, you know, we're going to save a lot of trees. Well, so while green is, is good for the environment in a plant life, it, it, it's a symbol of a healthy, happy plant if it's green. It's also the symbol of environmentalism. And so while the color is, of green is good for our planet, it's not so good for us as individuals, as people, okay? It's normally associated with jealousy or envy, sickness or disease. And I want to let you in on a little secret today. Envy is something that I believe every single one of us at some point in our life struggle with. And it's something that many people will struggle with their entire life. Yes, even Christian people struggle with envy and jealousy. You see, it's a secret sin that we can hold in our heart that nobody else even has to know that we're jealous or we're envious of what somebody else has, and we just hold it in. You don't know if we lash out at somebody or if we do something in a violent way. That's something that everybody can see, but jealousy is something that we can keep hidden within our heart. Probably most of us have, have either said or thought, you know, why should they have more than me? I work just as hard as they do. They should not make more than me. Why should they get all the recognition and not me? And on and on and on, this is so unfair. And maybe even we begin to wish some mis, uh, misfortune on them. So while we've all been in that situation where we begin to compare ourselves to someone else and what they have and maybe how their kids are dressed and what they drive and where they live, it just doesn't seem fair. And we, if we're honest with each other, we're going to struggle with that. Now I want to let you in on another little secret. Even ministers struggle with jealousy and envy. I mean, other ministers, not me, of course, but other ministers. <laughs> I'm way, way beyond that. Truthfully, I struggle with this sometimes myself. I look at other ministers and I said, why do they have their own radio program? Why did they get asked to speak at that conference or convention and not me? They got a book deal? Nobody wants to hear what they have to say. They don't even know what they're talking about. Why would anyone buy that book? That should have been me. Dusty Rubeck, maybe you've heard of that name before. I'm going to introduce you to, to Dusty. Dusty and I have the same birthday, September 20th. Not only the same day, but the same year, 1961. We both graduated from Bible college the same time. We both entered the ministry the same year. Both ended up in similar-sized churches, and we got acquainted with each other at CIY. Actually, his wife, Kathy, went to, to school with Leah and I at Midwest Christian College, and so we kind of had a mutual friendship already. And so we would sometime during the week always plan to go for lunch together. And Dusty and I may or may not have snuck out after we got the youth all to bed and got a pizza. You know, he would probably deny that, and so would I. But we had a really good friendship. But his career took off really, really fast. I mean, like a rocket. He began to get asked to speak at conferences and conventions. And then the next thing you know, he left that little small church and he became the CEO of the Christian Network. 
the Christian Network. Then he went on to become the executive director of the North American Christian Convention. And from there, he went and became the president of the very college he graduated from, Dallas Christian College. And then he went on from that post to become the CEO of the Church Development Fund. That's the largest fund in the United States that, that puts money in, into churches and helps fund churches. And then just last month in June, Dusty retired as a CEO after he had uh, made his fortune and decided, I'm going to retire. And I think, oh, wait a minute, he's the same age as me. He gets to retire already? That's not fair. Why not me? And so we all begin to struggle with jealousy and envy. And we think life's not fair. I want to tell you right now, life isn't always fair. There are going to be people that get stuff that probably they don't deserve. And what they do deserve, they don't get. So while being green is good for the planet, it's not so good for us. Have you ever heard this phrase that you're green with jealousy or, or envy? That's what jealousy is all about. It turns you into that green monster. Lee and I got to have supper with a friend this last week that we had not seen for six years. He's an Air Force guy, and he was in between assignments going from California to Del Rio, Texas. And, uh, and I asked him about how he could share his face while he's active in the military, and he said his first slide that he presents is his picture, and the backdrop of that is a cross. And he says, I'm a Christian right off to the bat. And he said, I want everybody to know that my decisions, how I treat people, the decisions I make, and the life I live are all going to be based on my Christian influence. And he said, I've made a commitment. And once you make that, that commitment, um, you know, that's your identity. And I've kind of got ahead of myself here, and so let me, let me get get back on track. Envy and jealousy have been associated with the color green since way back in the days of Greece, okay? And they decided that the amount of envy and jealousy you had in you was determined by the amount of bile that you had in your system. Now, if you don't know what bile is, it's that green, nasty fluid. If you've ever thrown up a whole lot, it, that's, but it's a, a bitter, nasty fluid. And if you have a lot of bile in you, it will make you into that bitter, green person. Just like bile is bitter, envy and jealousy make you a bitter person as well. Bitterness, envy, jealousy, those things have the power to destroy your life. They rob your happiness. They make it impossible for you to enjoy the moment that you're living in because you're always looking at somebody else and what they have and what you don't have. That's why it's not good to be green. It will ruin you, and it blocks the fellowship that God wants to have with you. So while we all struggle with this sometimes, guess what? King David, if you remember him, he was the guy who uh, defeated Goliath with a slingshot wrote most of the book of Psalms. He's a man who ruled Israel. He had some faults and flaws, and jealousy and envy caused him to even cheat with Bathsheba and, and then commit a murder. 
but he was a quick repenter, and he was labeled the man after God's own heart. And so as you read through the book of Psalms, you're going to see that he struggled with it. And in Psalm 37, he warns against this, but he also tells us how to overcome this envy and jealousy. A few weeks ago when I was on vacation, I got to read this passage, Psalm 37, and it just kind of grabbed my attention. So I, I highlighted it in my Bible. So if you have your Bibles today, turn to Psalm 37, and that's going to be our, our passage where we stay for the most part. And so just, just stay right there with me. And we're going to begin reading with verse 1 of Psalm 37. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness reward, your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Verse 7, he says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. And do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. See, David lays out a plan for us to get rid of this envy and jealousy and, and, and this bitterness. First thing he says to do is turn our eyes back to God. You see, when we start looking at what other people have and what other people have accomplished and what they have and we don't have, now we've allowed a bitter, a bitter root of jealousy to develop in our life and we lose focus of God. We lose focus on what is really important. Our relationship with God has to be number one. He tells us that. My focus has got to be on God. And when I lose focus on God, then I get focused on what I don't have and what somebody else does have. So our priority number one has to be that relationship with God. He deserves and he demands to be first in our life. When God has first place in our life, I think you're going to find that all the other areas of your life just kind of work themselves out. Your relationships, your friendships, your finances, when God has first place. He tells us, first thing to do here in verse 3 is to trust in the Lord and do good. You see, it's easy to trust in the Lord when things are going good, isn't it? It's easy to trust in the Lord when we know the outcome, how this thing's going to finish, how this trial, how this sickness, how this disease, how this whatever we're going through, how it's going to end. It's easy to see that, but it's hard to trust God when we don't know the outcome. Estrit Kathy started a, a restaurant called Chick-fil-A. You may have eaten there at some point in time in your life. Well, he came up with this idea to be open six days a week and to close on Sunday to allow his family and his employees and his customers a day of, uh, to spend with, with the Lord and to worship. Everybody told him this won't work. The malls won't rent you space. The banks won't loan you money. This is a terrible idea because Sundays is one of the biggest, busiest days for fast food restaurants. And he said, no, this is something I'm, I'm committed to. I'm not going to give an inch on this. He said, we're going to work hard those six days and trust God with the outcome. It's worked pretty good for him, hadn't it? Have you seen the lines out here? In between the services, um, 
I got a, got a text that uh, Connie Sturgeon was on her way to see her mom and was watching online, and she said that not only was he committed to keeping Sunday a day of worship for their families and their employees, but he's a very, very generous man who's given houses and cars and just taken care of many of his employees and, and team members. You see, trusting God means that you do what is right even when you're not sure of the outcome. Verse 4 tells us, delight yourself in the Lord. And see, David makes that bold promise. What does it mean to delight yourself in the Lord? It means that you want to spend time with that person. We're told that sometimes absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? Now, that might be true in a romantic relationship. If you're separated, then you'll be really excited and happy to see each other again. But what I've found in my spiritual life is absence from God makes my heart grow cold and distant, not fonder. And so we want to spend time with the Lord. We need to delight yourself in the Lord. It makes, makes you want to spend time with him, not out of duty or obligation that, well, this is something I've got to do. No, it's something that you want to do. And you'll find joy and delight in spending that time with God. Then he says, commit your way to the Lord. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Proverbs 16.3, commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. That's a promise. Now I'm going to get back to my friend that I was telling you about a little, little bit early. I think Joe may have mixed up my sermon page notes and I got ahead of myself, okay? So I got, got too excited. This friend that we got to, to share supper with that we had not seen for six months that introduced himself with his picture and the cross as a background, he said, now I've made a commitment. I've let everybody know who I stand for, that I've committed my way to the Lord and that I'm not backing up, that all my decisions will be based on principles found in here, that everything I do, I will try to serve Christ. And now, guess what? I can't tell a dirty joke. I can't cheat somebody. I can't do that. He said, committing my life to the Lord means there's no plan B. And when we commit our ways to the Lord, it means that there's no plan B for us, that we're committed first to the Lord. And I've told you this before, but when I do things God's way, my life just works. Okay? Isn't it amazing how that happens? But when I do things Alan's way which I like to do sometimes, I mess things up, okay? It, my life just, things just kind of fall apart. And I think you'll find that when you do things God's way, your life's just going to work. Verse 7, he tells us to be still and wait patiently for him. I don't know about you, but I, I really am not much into waiting I don't like to wait at stoplights. I don't like to wait for Leah to get ready to go somewhere. I don't like to wait for a prayer to be answered. I'm one of those guys that if I say a prayer and I say amen, I kind of like it answered right then and there. God doesn't always answer quite that quickly. And sometimes waiting on God to do his work is such a hard, difficult thing. We're going to spend our life waiting on things. 
Maybe you're waiting for a chance. Maybe you're waiting for success. Maybe you're waiting for an answer to prayer or for that healing or a solution to this problem. David said, be still before the Lord. And we need to be able to say, God, I've done everything I can do. I have, I'm, I'm just going to hand it over to you now. You know what he's probably saying is, well, it's about time. Been waiting on you. Envy and bitterness and jealousy can absolutely destroy you if you let it. So our first step that David tells us is to turn our eyes back to God. Focus on him. The second thing he tells us is to release our anger. Release our anger. Now, I didn't say unleash your anger, okay? I said release it. If, if any of you went to the basketball game last night, you know, our Enid Outlaws, and they, they won a, a championship last night, and it was really exciting, but there was some anger that was unleashed in the crowd, okay, or not in the crowd, but on the court. Now, I don't know that any blows were thrown, but there was a lot of pushing and shoving, and there was some anger being unleashed, and it took five or six or seven minutes to kind of gain control of the game and get things settled back down, and, and away they went. But when we release our anger, it means that we let it go. Listen to what David said in verse 8. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. You know, wasn't there a little kid's movie that had some sisters in there that uh, talked about letting it go? You know, that Frozen just let it go. So your anger today, just think of, just let it go. Now, I'm not going to sing it for you today. I'm going to spare you that. But release your anger. Just, just let it go. But I want to tell you, I know how frustrating it is when people have wronged you, when they've hurt you. Maybe they've cheated, maybe they've stolen, maybe they've said something bad about you, maybe they've done something irreparable to you, and you fret about it, and you stew about it, and you think about it at night when you lay down, you think about it in the morning when you wake up. You can't get it out of your mind, and you think, man, I wish I'd have done this. I wish I'd have said that. Wait till I get an opportunity. I will get back. I'm going to make this right. And we just internalize this. You know what David says? Don't do it. He said, don't let the anger get the best of you. It only leads to evil. Do you realize that when we decide how we're going to respond to that person who's wronged us, harmed us, or somehow done something, it normally is an evil thing that we're probably planning on doing. And David says, just don't do it. That kind of envy, bitterness, and jealousy doesn't hurt that person. It hurts you. One of our staff people had a lady, and this was several years ago, come up to her and said, hey, I just want to let you know I've forgiven you. Okay. I didn't know you were mad at me. Yeah, I've been holding a grudge for a long time over something that happened. And, okay. Well, I'm glad you've forgiven me. I didn't know that I had offended you or I would have, you know, certainly worked this out sooner. You see, it only hurts us when we hold on to that bitterness and that envy. So David said, don't do it. So how do you release your anger? First, you got to say, I'm not going to dwell on that, and I'm going to get those thoughts out of my mind. And, and let me tell you, that's hard to do. But we can't dwell on it. And secondly, you acknowledge that God's in control, and it's his job to settle the score, not yours. And let me just tell you, he's got way better ways of doing it than you do. Listen to what he says in verse 12 and 13. The wicked plot against the righteous. 
They gnashed their teeth at them. I love this verse. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. God says, I got this. It's not your job to settle the score. God says, I've got this. I'm going to do that. Third suggestion that he makes, uh, just kind of out of the blue, and you think, what does this have to do with envy or, 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 or jealousy? But it's to make a habit to give. Verse 21 says, the wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give freely. See, right out of the blue, he just says, I'm going to talk to you about generosity. We're going to switch gears here and go from jealousy and envy to generosity. See, there are two different attitudes here, generosity and selfishness. The attitude of generous generosity means that, okay, I'm going to be willing to share with others. Maybe I don't have a lot right now. Maybe I've got just enough, but my day's coming, and when it does, I'm going to be willing to share and to give, and I'm going to be generous because God's blessed me, and, and, and now I can turn, bless somebody else. Then the attitude of selfishness is that I'm going to look out for only me while I can, and I'm just going to take care of myself. And I'm not going to share. I'm not going to help anybody else. I'm just going to look after myself. That attitude of generosity is the one that God wants to bless. That attitude of selfishness is the one that God probably won't bless. Now, I know what you're thinking. Wait a minute, Alan. I know a lot of selfish, successful people that they've done really, really well, and they are selfish heathens. And look at this. Look at all the blessings they receive. I want to tell you, it's not the blessings of God they're receiving Scripture tells us here that the devil's schemes will succeed for a while. So while it may look like they're, they're getting ahead, their day is coming. And I don't know about you, but I would rather wait on the blessing of the Lord than live in the prosperity of the devil any day, wouldn't you? Because if you're living in the prosperity of the devil, that's all all you're going to have, and you better enjoy it now. So I want to encourage you to look for opportunities to give, not only financially, but of anything the Lord has blessed you with. Let's listen to what Jesus had to say. He said in Luke chapter 6, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. Do you know how hard that is to do? But then a few verses later, listen to what he says in verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your life. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You see, what God is telling us, you get to determine the level of God's generosity in your life. The same measure that you use to be generous with other people is the same measure that God says, I will use to be generous to you. So you get to choose how generous you want God to be with you. You understand that? 
If you're generous with others, you can expect God to be very generous with you. But if you're stingy with what you have, with what he's blessed you with, expect him to use that same measuring standard to bless you with. So Jesus is telling us that when you live with that spirit of generosity, you open the Lord, the door for the Lord to bless you. Let's look back at Psalm 37, what David said in verse 25 and 26. I was young and now I'm old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be a blessing. Skip back to verse 22, and I want to conclude, conclude with that. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous gives generously. You see, when you live with a spirit of generosity, you open the door for God to be generous with you. And we need to stop looking what other, at other people and what they have, what they drive, where they live, how their kids are dressed, how much money they have, what they have that they don't deserve, and what they do deserve they didn't get. We need to focus and start looking at him because that opens the door for the blessings that he has in store for us. One of the things that we get to do each and every Lord's Day is receive the Lord's Supper. And it's a time of reflection and a time that we can just concentrate on God's love for us and what Jesus did for us on the cross and the price that he paid for our sins, even those secret sins that we keep in our heart like bitterness and envy, jealousy. would probably guess that there's some people here today that need to address that issue before they receive the Lord's Supper. Those of you that are watching at home, I hope you've made preparations. If if you walked in today and uh, you didn't get one of our little communion cups, just hold up your hand and one of our guys right now will just make sure you get that. But today, what I want to do Charlie, we've got some over here that need some. Just get, keep your hands up, and, he, and he'll make sure you get them. Um, some in this area, Charlie. What I want you to do today is to just absolutely spend this time, and maybe you are, are focusing on jealousy. And maybe there's somebody even here in this building that you have envy and, and, and jealousy with uh, that you just need to, maybe you need to at some point walk over and say, hey, listen, I, I've been holding a grudge and I'm sorry. Because if we want God to bless us, we've got to be focused on him and we can't be focused on him when we're focused on what we don't have pray with me father as we receive this loaf and cup i know lord that uh, all of us can have jealousy and envy at times in our life but lord right now this is the time to say 
Lord, I'm going to give it to you. I want to release this to you. Maybe there's someone here even before they take this loaf and cup needs to walk across the auditorium and say to a brother or sister, you know, I'm sorry, I need you to forgive me. Lord, this is an opportunity for us to release and to receive what you have for us, the blessings of righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen.